Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Somebody say all in. Say it again, all in. And so with that title, I want to speak to you from that subject today, all in. I want to read to you uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to start in verse 22. Uh, Paul is writing here, and in fact, uh, I'm going to read out of the message translation because I believe he puts it in such uh, a way, the way that it's translated in such a way that as we read through this, uh, I, I think it really clarifies uh, the call to action that, that, that Paul is uh, speaking to, speaking of. Uh, and so in 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, excuse me, we're going we're gonna to start in verse 19, not 22, in verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, reading out of the Message Bible, it says this. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious and non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever... I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in the attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. And in verse 23, it says, I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. If there are three quick lines that we could extract from this text and read it all together, I think it truly sums up what Paul's trying to communicate. And it's simply this, if we were to take a line from verses 19, 22, and 23, Paul is simply saying, in order to reach a wide range of people, I kept my bearings in Christ, I entered their world, I didn't want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. If we were to simply sum that up, Paul is saying, I don't want to talk, I want to walk. I, I, I don't want to be one that is worried about speaking, I want to be one that is doing, that is being. And I don't know about you, but in the last year and a half, I've been hearing the church talk a lot, but I haven't been seeing too much walking. I haven't been seeing too much demonstrating or demonstration. We got a lot of talk these days on social media. We could talk a lot of things, and thank God, because the Bible says that we're to proclaim the gospel, but the Bible also says to baptize, to teach, to train, and everything that is written, that's how we're going to make disciples. So making disciples is not just simply about what's coming out of my mouth, but it's my ability to be present in how I live. And so if we're going to reach our world with life, and we're going to be all in, Paul says it's not just about the talk, it's about the walk. Tell somebody next to you, it's not just about the talk, it's about the walk. And so I love this line because it, it spoke so loudly to me in this translation. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Now, something that is important to understand as to what Paul is trying to communicate is he says the, the thing that you need to recognize is while it's not just about talking and it is about walking, I'm called to reach my world, and my world is the religious and the non-religious. It's the moralists and the immoralists. It, it, it is those that feel defeated. It is those that, that feel overwhelmed. It's whoever, he says. It's whoever. And what Paul is identifying 
is that the life of a believer in regards to being a witness, he has to know how to be all things for the sake of the gospel. He has to be all things for the sake of the gospel. But the problem that we run into as the church is because in order to be all things for the sake of the gospel, I really have to master the art of adaptability. And the church has a hard time with adaptability. In fact, the church is typically, in regards to the world standards, about 15 to 20 years behind whatever the world is doing. And so what we've done over the last couple of years is we've swung the pendulum so hard the other way that we're trying to be so far past what the world is doing that we're not even reflecting what the Word of God is saying in regards to how we're supposed to live. So we're, we're more focused on how much more technology that we have and how much more, more progressiveness that we have in the church rather than just simply understanding what Paul is saying is that we need to not just talk, which talking is important, but we also need to walk. We need to be present. And so it's important to recognize that Paul is saying that in order for me to be able to reach my world, his world with life, he has to enter their world. Somebody say, their world. Now, the reason why I'm phrasing it like that is because it's easy to be a Christian when we can get non-Christians into our world. It's easy to have a testimony when we have non-Christians coming into the church building. But how many of you know that the church building is not the place that we're to be the witness? The church building is the place that we gather together to praise and allow God to move with his presence and his power in this setting. But the witness is outside of these walls. And so all things for the sake of the gospel is not all things inside of the building. And we have to remember that our witness is not about who we are in here. It's who we are out there. And who we are out there has to really be able to be done in such a way that we're able to blend in. Now, that's not a very comforting word to many people because blending sounds like compromising. And I'm not asking you to compromise the gospel. But if you've ever seen the movie, because I was thinking about this, the movie Elf. I love it at the holiday time. I love the movie Elf. Buddy the Elf. Right? Everything looks good when he's at the North Pole. Everything blends in together. He's got his green suit on. He's got his yellow pointy shoes. And uh, Santa's there. The helpers are there. And, 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 and everything is all magical and Christmassy. I love that movie. But the moment that he leaves from the North Pole and he goes to New York City, he's the minority. He doesn't blend in any longer. He sticks out. And why I say that is because for me, I'm one of those guys that if you say, hey, Sean, this is what we're doing, I'm all in. I mean, I am all in. If you say, hey, listen, listen, we're going to have a dodgeball tournament. Oh, I'm coming out, man. I got my sweatbands on. I got special dodgeball shoes that are happening. I'm going to be like Ben Stiller out of dodgeball, purple cobras. We're ready to rock this thing. <laughs> I'm ready to go. My wife knows back, just calm down for a second. You're too intense. And that's how I am. Because when I get into something, like growing up playing sports, I was playing baseball, man, I was decked from head to toe. Had to have everything. I'd have multiple sets of batting gloves on me. Why? Because in case one pair got dirty, I got a flashy pair to run around the bases in. I was all in. But how many know all in is not how you look on the outside? All in is who you are on the inside. I said all in is who you are on the inside. And so many of us, what we do is we, we, we think that to present the gospel, we're going to go out and we're in our big green elf suit with our big old yellow pointy-toed shoes and, and we're all flashy for the sake of the gospel, but people are looking at us like a bunch of spiritual weirdos. And while we laugh at that, there's a truth in that. 
Because what Paul is saying is that I'm not saying you to compromise with the gospel. I'm not, causing, I'm not asking you to be anything less for the sake of the gospel other than to know your audience, know the world that you're stepping into. And see, growing up, we were, we, we were always preached out of Matthew 5, which we're going to quickly cross over to, because the Bible says that we're to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But how many of you know too much salt can be innoxious, and too much light can be blinding? And so there is an art and a subtlety as to how each of those elements work. And if we're not careful, what we're going to do is we're going to cause the world that we're called to reach to be completely repelled away for the gospel. And if we think that it's all flashy lights and bright lights, then we're going to cause the world to be blind and never see the truth. And so he says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And in fact, what he says in 5.13 of the book of Matthew is that if you're the salt of the earth, do not lose your saltiness lest you're casted out and you're trampled over. And if you're the light of the world, you're like a city on a hill. That cannot be hidden. You, 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 you are not to be a light under a bushel, but on a lampstand. What good is a light if it is hidden? And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But I think it's really important to understand that as salt and light and being a witness in our community, that we have to know how to reach our community, how to blend into the community. Because, in fact, the very essence of salt and its power is the art of it blending in because if you've ever had a food product that is too salted, it doesn't taste very good. It doesn't matter how quality the, 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 the food item is that it's being salted with or, or, or what that piece of meat or what that vegetable, whatever the case is that, that you're seasoning with the salt, too much of it and you'll throw it away. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't sit well. And so we, we, we have to put ourselves in this place as, as salt and light to understand what is Jesus really saying? Because in Matthew it says what we're supposed to be, but in the book of Luke it says where we're supposed to go and how we're supposed to function. See, we'll preach Matthew 5, and that's great. We're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world, but Luke 6 says what our application is for, and we'll discover what its use and what it will produce and its efforts of being applied. And so I want to just read this to you this morning. Luke 14, verse 34. Out of the NIV says this, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit for neither the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. See, many times when I've heard this passage taught in regards to salt and light, particularly salt, we've always focused it on food, but Jesus has never talked about it in regards to food. He talked about it in regards to two things, soil and a manure pile. Soil and a waste pile. Why soil? Can we talk about this for a second? The reason why he talks about soil is because back in those days, particularly where Jesus was sharing this passage and when he was teaching, he was by the Sea of Galilee. And in Galilee, where it was, is the water was very, very salty. So they would have had an understanding of the uses of salt and how salt worked and, and the purpose and, 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 and why, why, why salt was, was not to be something obnoxious, but something to be useful. And so what they would do is they would extract the salt from the Dead Sea and they would bring it and they would use it as fertilizer for the soil. 
Salt should cause you to grow things in the soil. As salt in our witness, in our testimony, in who God's called us to be on the job, and in our community, and everywhere that we step foot, it's to cause to grow the good things. And as salt, if we're not causing things to grow, then we're not truly applying ourselves in the way that Jesus has commanded us to be in regards to salt. But why does he also say the manure pile? Because in old days, before there was plumbing and, and, and indoor uh, uh, bathrooms and things of that nature, what they would do is they would dig a pile out uh, on the back part of their house. They'd dig a hole, this, this big uh, uh, trench. They would trench out this dirt, and they would use that as the area for waste. And what would happen is, the moment that they were done using the restroom, they would have a salt box there in which they would take the salt out and they would place it in that pile. Why? Because salt also disinfects. And as salt, if we're not causing things to grow, then we should be used as God to disinfect things that do not need to grow, that need to be killed off. You say, what are you talking about? Because as salt in the soil, I'm focusing on the harvest that's being grown, the manifestation that we're talking about. But salt in the manure pile is keeping the things that don't belong in the soil out. And as salt, we have to put ourselves in a place that we're causing the bacteria of the world to not be able to get its way into the purpose and the calling of who God wants us to be and who God wants really those that don't know him, that are far from him, to be. We have to be ones that are pushing out the things that don't belong. And so salt causes us to fertilize or to disinfect. And Jesus is saying, if you can get a picture of this, if you can get a true picture of this, now you can put in place what your purpose is as a witness in this earth. Whose life are you impacting? Whose life are you impacting? Who's, who, who, who are you witnessing to that you're seeing the growth in? And let me tell you, growth doesn't happen overnight. Because there's many people I've had a witness to over and over again before I begin to see a result. Because fertilizer isn't just one time on the ground and that's it. My wife and I, we had some um, plants that we had to replant in our backyard um, before we had moved in. They died, and so as soon as we got in, we ripped them out, and we planted new plants. And so we would water it, and we would water it, and the growth was, looked like it wasn't happening, and, and it's been really painstaking and frustrating, and we realized, you know what, we've got to put some fertilizer on this. We've got to put some fertilizer. And so the moment we begin to add fertilizer, we begin to see some growth. Now, growth didn't happen in one season. We've been three years growing these plants back, but little by little. I love it what it says in the New Testament, some sow, some water, but what? God gives the increase. And so what does salt really do? Salt just pushes the seed down even further so that it can take form into the root system for growth. As salt, I'm perpetuating the gospel so the gospel can take deeper root into the world in which we live so that growth can begin to happen in the lost and those that don't know God. Salt is the fertilizer. God, let me allow my faith to fertilize the community. Let my faith allow myself to fertilize my family. Let my faith allow my life as salt to be able to, to fertilize the word of God that I can begin to see it manifested everywhere that I go. But in order for salt to have its way, it requires something. Contact. Contact. Somebody say contact. Because salt's no good in a box. 
Salt's no good in a box. Today we are salt in a box. And we're no good if we just let our faith stay here. We have to get outside of here. And we have to allow ourselves to be outside of the box in order to reach our world. But if we allow just our faith to stay here and we never take it with us where we go, we're never going to see growth. And that's why it's saying even in the wasteland, you got to take the salt out of the box. That box can be right next to the waste pile, but that waste pile smell is still going to be there until you salt it, until you cover it, until you close it in. And so salt requires contact. You have to get outside of the box. And many of us, we've allowed the box over the last year to keep us in. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, you're for me. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. But what about Jesus, work through me? Jesus, work through me. Jesus, use me. Jesus, allow me to be the difference because that's really what it is. Salt is the difference. Salt is bold, but salt is the difference. Anytime you add salt to a substance of some kind, it creates change. Salt is meant to create change. You are meant to create change. And if you're going to be all in, you have to be willing to be used by God to create change. And so the only way to do that is when we are in contact. Somebody say contact. Isn't it interesting we live in a world right now that's saying no contact, limited contact. Because the enemy knows if there's no contact, he can keep the church back. I'm not limiting my contact. I'm not limiting my contact. I'm not limiting my contact. I'm not staying in the salt box. I'm getting outside of the salt box. Why? Because the power of salt is found in its presence. Until salt is present in a situation, nothing can change. Are you present in the situations that you're stepping into when you leave from here today? Are you present with your children, training them up in the way that they should go? Are you present on the job? I'm not saying preaching to people on the job. I'm saying present on the job, reflecting Christ. Because the witness is not how loud I can preach. The witness is how can I be able to reflect God and blend in. That when people look at me, they say, wow, there's something different about you. In fact, when you look at salt, when it is salting an item, whether it's food or whether it's used for fertilizer or whatever the case may be, can you actually see the salt at a distance? No. If you get up close, maybe. But when something is salted, what? It blends in with its atmosphere. But yet it creates change. This is so powerful of what Jesus is trying to communicate in this passage here. How are we creating change. I put this, uh, this thought down here that I thought was very interesting. It's noted that 5% of the presence of salt applied is enough to create change. One grain of salt cannot create change. How many know one grain you know why? Because God did not call our world to change off of one person. He didn't cause us or ask us to be a grain of salt. He wants us to be a grouping of salt. And there's power in community. 
And when we come together and we dwell in unity, the Bible says there the blessing is commanded. What is the blessing? The blessing is not the accolade. It's not, it's not, it's not the, 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 the prize. It's not the, 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 uh, you know, the thing that I've been praying for. The, the blessing is the empowerment of God upon your life to have success because the way that the passage ends in Matthew 5 is by your good works they will see you and give glory to God. So when we dwell in unity as salt, but we can't dwell staying in the salt box. We got to get outside of salt. But I think it's interesting that just 5%. What if just 5% of the church today was truly salt and light in the community? What if just 5% of the churches in the state of Florida were salt? What if just 5% of the churches in our nation were salt? What could we do in this world? You say, that's kind of harsh. We are more than 5% in this room today, but what's the growth in your life look like? Because growth is going to reflect your application of salt. I've been asking the Lord more and more, God, let my life be a witness in a way that I can communicate to people. As Paul said, I went into their world. He didn't say, I'm going to be a Christian and witness when they come into my world. He said, go into their, into, in, into their world. And I got to learn how to be all things for the sake of the gospel. But he makes this note and he says, but I keep my bearings in Christ. In other words, I'm not going to conform to the world. I'm not going to follow into their ways, but I'm going to know that as my presence is in the world through you, God, I'm going to reflect the nature of Christ so that I can be transformative, that I can bring, bring the change. Five percent. It's all that's needed is five. Can we not be the 5%? Can we today be the 5% that starts the change? Because 5% is all that's needed to start the change. Can we be the 5% to start the change and to set this world on fire for the kingdom of God? So I've been saying, Lord, I, let, let me have encounters, if not daily, weekly. And so... As I've been praying in on this, I've been, and, and you've, y'all have heard me say this before, I don't wait for divine appointments. I have to set divine appointments. You don't wait for you to go to the dentist and t- get your teeth clean. You have to set an appointment to go to the dentist and get your teeth clean. God, let me set an appointment today. Let me set an agenda today to be used by you. Let me, let, let, let me set my actions in place today that, 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 that I can go and that I can be who you've called me to be. But sometimes that's not the case. And can I tell you what I find oftentimes is the hardest when you're pastoring and you're at a church because your world is the salt box? Some people say, man, if I could just work for the church. Really? The interaction is just with other salt all day long. Planning and preparing for the moment that we can have this beautiful day. But as a witness, there's not much interaction going on through the week. And so we have to, to force it or create it or set the appointment in order to see it happen. And some days it just doesn't happen. And, 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 and I'm like, God, I, I, you know, I wear it heavy on my heart. Who do you want me to reach today? Because I want to have a physical presence. I want to have a physical, as salt, I want to have a physical presence. And I remember about a year ago, um, uh, it was in the beginning of March. And it was before everything got real funky and shut down. But things were kind of like on edge a little bit. And uh, I had just laid my daughter down for a nap, and uh, I think my wife was, uh, was out running some errands around, and I was at the house, and I had two girls that rolled up on bicycles that came to my house. 
and they were in matching uniforms. Y'all know where I'm going with this already. And so um, they showed up and, you know, they had two books in their hand. And quickly they were trying to encourage me on how great this book was, talking about the Bible. And man, don't you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe about Jesus. And we were talking. And of course, most of the time when I see these guys rolling around, you know, I just quickly, I close all the windows, I shut the doors a lot. I'm like, I don't want to get into all this. I don't want a spiritual debate right now. I don't want to argue. But this particular day, I don't know what it was. I just, it came on me. And I thought to myself, they're coming to my world, but I'm going to step outside my door and I'm going to enter their world for a second. (laughs) And I entered into their world and they were telling me first how great the Bible is. And then they pulled out this other book and they're telling me about all the things that's in this book. And I said, well, tell me a little bit more about this book. And they're listing off all of these, you know, different requirements and things that you have to do in order to obtain salvation, in order to have kingdom. And and they they were telling me all the things that you can't do. And they were listing me all the don'ts. And and what I began to find is they were listing off more don'ts and more things that you're not allowed to do than things that we actually are able to do. And how many know Jesus didn't come here to tell you what you're not supposed to do? He came here to tell you how you're supposed to live. And the way that you live is already going to tell you what you're not supposed to do. And so Jesus demonstrates this life that's worth living. And these girls are telling me about this life that's really anything but that. And so finally I just said, put your books down. I looked at them. Her name was Jessica. I said, Jessica, what do you believe? She said, I believe in God. I said, do you believe that God's real? I believe that God's real. I said, do you believe that God's good? And she hesitated. And I had a moment where I was able to take the next couple of minutes and begin to tell her about how good God is and the blessings of God and the love of God. Now, at the end of that, I didn't sit there and have a moment where she was like, oh, you know, forget being a Jehovah, I'm now going to be a Christian. That's what I call them. Uh, And so she said to me, wow, I got a lot to think about. And I saw the demeanor of her change. She came in with this, like, I'm going to convert this guy. And then she left with a... There's got to be something more out there. There's got to be, and and I told her, I said, don't try and run out and figure other things out. You're already holding on to the one book that you only need. I said, get rid of that other book. Just hold on to that one book. Everything that you need is right in that one book. And it was just a beautiful moment that we had. And that I was able to encourage and just be salt and just be present. But I didn't sit there and just start citing off a whole bunch of scriptures. I just simply asked her, do you believe that God is good? Let's have a conversation. Sometimes all you need as salt is to have a conversation. But we want to be loud as salt and we want to be aggressive as salt. No, no, no. Just be present as salt. Just be present as salt. But Jesus says this. Jesus says, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? Did you know that salt actually can't lose its saltiness? Sodium chloride, when it's broken down, even if it is diluted with water and the water is evaporated, it will just recrystallize and turn back into salt. So salt can't actually lose its saltiness. The only way that salt can lose its saltiness is if it's adulterated with other substances. And so what would happen is when they would scrape the salt out of the the Dead Sea, when they would scrape the salt, a lot of times sand would come with it. And so when they would bring the salt to the market to, to sell, A lot of times that salt was already adulterated with sand. And so when they would sell the salt, they would think that they were getting an entire uh, container of salt. And when they would get home to use it, it would be bitter. It would be no good. So what would they do? They would cast it out the window for it to be trampled over. 
Hence why Jesus says, what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? Cast it out for it to be trampled over. In fact, in ancient days, whenever there were ships that were at sea and they were getting ready to either go to war or, 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 or being able to make pass-throughs and there might be pirates or certain uh, situations of that nature that would create uh, some type of either a, a, uh, a situation that would result in a battle or something like that, the enemy would always try to figure out how to sneak its way into the ships to take sand and dump it in salt. Why? Because salt in the ancient world was the currency of its day. Many of you have heard teachings on salt and you've, been, and you've heard before that the word salary, it comes from the word salt because at one point salt was the currency of the world. And so what the enemy would do is they would take sand and they would mix it into the salt so that it would be no good. Why is salt so powerful? Because salt is a preservative. We are called to be the preservatives, to be the ones that can preserve the gospel in this world. We are the ones that is come to be the application in this world of God's word, to create the change. And what happens is we'll lose our saltiness if we let sand get into our hearts. And the enemy knows that. The enemy wants the church to get sandy and not salty. I know salty has been communicated as a more negative word in, in, in pop culture these days, but God wants you to be salty, not sandy. God wants you to be salted. The Bible says, lest it lose its savor. In other words, lest it loses its strength. The only way that salt loses its strength is when we allow the world to get into us. There's a phrase that's spoken that says, the purpose of the boat is to be in the sea, but it's no good if the sea gets into the boat. It's the life preserver when it comes out to the sea, but if the sea gets in the boat, it's no good. When we allow things to get inside of us, when we allow offense to get inside of us, when we allow anger to get inside of us, when we allow discord to get inside of us, when we allow news media to get inside of us, when we allow the things of this world to mix in with the purity and the strength of who we are called as salt, we lose our saltiness and we're good for nothing anymore. And there's a lot of unsalty Christians in the world today wondering why is there no change happening because you've allowed too much to come into your life. And we've compromised. And it's, let me tell you, when you compromise in your testimony before men, before women, before the world, it's very, very hard to get your credibility back. But even that of itself is its own argument. Are we called to be credible or are we called to be different? Because today, the church wants to be credible before everyone. We want to be credible before politics. We want to be credible before, in other words, we just want to be able to blend in. But really, we're not blending in. We're compromising. We're called to be different. Salt makes the difference. You are meant to make the difference. And if you're going to go all in, you have to make the difference. And the difference is not in the salt box. The difference is outside of the salt box. Your world, their world is outside of the salt box. Will you not go today? Because Jesus says you are the salt, but you're also the light. I want to take the last couple moments this morning and close just with this thought. Primarily, I wanted to focus on the fact that we're called to be the salt of the earth. The salt of the soil. The salt to produce growth. But Jesus also says the light of the world. The light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And I can go into many different things to explain lights and light. But I just want to put this 
thought into your mind this morning. Too much light can be blinding. Too little light, you can't see where you're going. Jesus phrases two things. He says that we are to be a light on a lampstand and then we're to be a light like a city on a hill. You know, people spend thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars residentially and millions of dollars commercially, commercially on lighting. Why? Can you do me a favor? We didn't plan this. Can you drop the lights just low? You don't have to kill them all the way off. That's good. It creates atmosphere. It sets the atmosphere. As a light, you set the atmosphere. And it's amazing because in some of the most amazing places, lighting is the key to the atmosphere that you experience. It wouldn't be a Disney fireworks show without the lighting that they have to go with it. It creates the atmosphere. The worship, the praise that we have today, while we know the anointing is on us lifting up the name of Jesus, we set an atmosphere that's engaging. And so light can be subtle and powerful. It's all in a matter of the way that it's applied and how it's used. But Jesus says that you are the light of the world like a city on a hill. And the lampstand. So the lampstand in a house sets the atmosphere. You ever turned a lamp on in your house? It's to set an atmosphere. It's to create an atmosphere. Can we not create an atmosphere this week in which we can be salt in the situation and reach people? Or do we have to be so bright and so aggressive that we turn people off? But he also says the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Because the truth is the city on the hill is really the gathering place that provides hope. Because in old days, whenever there was a city on a hill that was illuminated and people could see it from far away, it would do one of two things. It would either provide a place of hope for people that were lost or it would allow the people that were in the city to look out and see when the enemy is trying to come to attack. Do we not allow our lives to be a place of hope for others? And do we not let the light of God shine that we can allow ourselves to see the enemy? Because when my light is dim, the enemy will attack and he will find places that he can sneak in and get into my life. But when I am a light, I limit his ability because I have God's unlimited ability to see. And so while it sets atmospheres, it's also a city on a hill. Salt is for going, but light is for gathering. When we come together in this atmosphere, because the Bible says this, every good and perfect gift, it comes down from the Father of lights. And if we're the light of the world, when we come together as light, lifting up the name of Jesus, it's power. It's presence. There's some of you that are here today, you came in so heavy, but because all of our light came together as one in a beautiful way, bondage was being broken off today. Miracles are being released today. Hope is being released today. 
Love is being released today. The significance and the identity of who God's called you to be is established today. Because the church truly is a beautiful thing when we come together. And don't take out of context what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying that the church, what do you mean, you know, salt box? No, this is beautiful. Let's be here. Let's worship the Lord. But we can't stay here 24-7. We have to leave from here. We have to go and tend to the responsibilities. But within those responsibilities, that's when we're getting out of the box and saying, okay, God, I'm going to apply myself this week. Okay, God, I'm going to be a light this week. What atmosphere can you set and who can you come in contact with? Because if you're going to be all in, it requires you to be salt and light. Somebody say salt and light. This year, God spoke to our heart and said, as the church rises, it would be a year that we would rise, we would release, we would reclaim, we would redeem, we would restore, and we would resurrect. When we are salt and light, each and every one of those six declarations will begin to be manifested. And I believe that this year, we're gonna see the, not just the greatest harvest be manifested, but if we're willing to be the laborers and go after it, this year, the dead things rise. This year, Father, all things made new. This year, Heavenly Father, as salt, as light, the good works, because that's how you, I love Jesus, how you concluded that passage. By the good works. God, this year, let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works, that they would see the glory, that they would see the manifestation, that they would see the promises, that they would see, God, that you are a good God. God, let us not retreat, let us not retract. This year, God, let us engage let us progress. Let us move forward. Even as we were singing that song earlier, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Some of you have allowed fear to keep you from being able to move forward and being salt and light in our community. No more fear. We're no longer a slave to fear. But God, we are the ones that you have called to reach our world with life. And we will do it. We'll do it with love. We'll do it, Father, with grace. We'll do it with mercy. Father, we'll do it in such a way, God, that, that as we're on the job and as we're in our community and as we're in, 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 in the marketplace or in the stores, wherever that we step foot, that, God, we're bringing your goodness and your love through every effort and every work that we're doing. And people will begin to see and to know that it is you. Today, God, we give you glory and we praise you in this. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.